Okay, we're learning Daf Gimel. We're starting from three lines down on Daf Gimel, but Alpha, the Gemara says Tanya. Just a quick recap from yesterday. We have a din that we say, Mashvarach Mardageshen. And uh, the context for that is that the Mishnah on Rosh Hashanah says, that we're judged for all the water of the year on Sukkot. So it's definitely the time when the judgment is happening. But the complexity is that the, the Mishnah on Sukkot tells us that if it actually rains on Sukkot, it's a simon klal, because then we can't do the mitzvah of Sukkot. So we have different opinions about when, what is the right time to say Mashvarach Mardageshem. Rabbi Eliezer holds that it's the first day of Sukkot. So he learns from the Lulav. The Lulav is coming to represent the, the fact that they came from the rain. So where it's appeasement for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to give us another good verdict for the rain. So he says, just as you take the Lulav on the first day of Sukkot, so you used to say Mashvarach Mardageshem on the first day of Sukkot. Rabbi Yeshua counters that by saying if it's a simon klala, you have to wait until after Sukkot. So according to Rabbi Yeshua, when should you do it? The implication is, as soon as Sukkot is over, the eighth night. Ashmini Atzeres night. That's the simple understanding of Rabbi Yehoshua. Then we had Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda, who fundamentally seems to agree with Rabbi Yehoshua, that it shouldn't be recited during Sukkot. But he says that the transition shouldn't occur until Musuf on Shmini Atzeres day, which is what we're, we're most familiar with, because that's the way that we bask. Then we had two more opinions. We had Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra and Rabbi Akiva. Both of them were deriving the Mashavarach Mordegeshem not from the Lulav, but rather from the Nisa Chamayim, from the water libations. So they're also obviously coming to do with the fact that it's the time of judgment for the water. So there's an extra libation of water on the Mizbeach during Sukkot. So Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra says that the remez for it is the extra Mem, Yud, and Mem, which are found in the words in the Torah in Parshas Pinchas when the Torah is discussing the wine libations of the Karbonos for Sukkot. And the first Mem is on day two. So if the first mem is on day two, so the Nisa Chamaim in his view seems to begin from day two. So Mashavarach Mardageshem begins as well from day two. Rabbi Akiva says, yeah, but where does the Torah actually, yeah, it says the word water, but where does it say an extra libation? The answer is that on day six, it says Unisachecha, and it's libations in the plural. So day six is the day when we begin Nisa Chamaim. So therefore Mashavarach Mardageshem, according to Rabbi Akiva, only begins from day six. The bottom line is we have five opinions. We've got Rabbi Lazar, day one, we've got Rabbi Yeshua, the eighth night, we've got Rabbi Yehuda, the eighth day of Musaf, we've got Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra saying the second day, and we've got Rabbi Akiva saying the sixth day. So and now the Gemara is going to get more into Nisa Chamayim, and we'll come back to Mashav Ruach. Tanya says in the Bible, three lines down, Daf Gimel Medal, Rabbi Nasser Nomer. The Pasik says, Bakodesh, Hasech, Nesech, Sheikh Hashem. So there should be a pouring of uh, of a nesach sheikh, a pouring of a libation, which is a, a, a beverage that can get you drunk in front of Hashem. So it's a double language here. Hasech nesach. So in the fact that it's a double, it's even though one is more of a verb and one is more of a noun, it's hasech nesach, but we say that it's a reflection that there's a double libation. So this is what we say. It's a reference to Nisach HaMayim. Now, what's interesting about that Pasuk is that you know that Pasuk, unlike the Pasuk that we saw yesterday, this Pasuk is not by Sukkot. <laughs> so even though there's a reference to an extra libation, but this Pasuk is not at all by Sukkot. But it seems that um, he does agree to the fact that it's only Sukkot, which is hard to see from the Pasuk. Says the Gemara, How do you know one of them is water? Always sees that there's a double pouring. How do you know that the second one is water? Says the Gemara, If they both were wine, the Torah should have kept it in the same type of word. It should have said either hasech hasech or nasech nasech. Either one of them would have been appropriate and with the connotation that there's a double pouring. My hasech nasech. Why does the Torah not only have an extra word but give a different spelling for it? It must be shamis that it's not only a second libation but that the substance is different as well. So as normally you do wine and sukkah is the extra additional libation instead is water. So that's another source 
for Misach HaMayim. So bottom line is, so far we've had three sources, the extra Mem Yud Mem on day two, six, and seven by the Karbanos of the Musaf, or Nisach Ha from day six, or now we're saying that it's from the words Haseich Nesach that are used in general by the wine libation. Now, says the Gemara, Elah did not, and this that we learned in a Mishnah, this Mishnah is, remember, we remember from Sukkah. The Mishnah, the Mishnah says, Nisach HaMayim Kol Shiva. The water libations of Sukkah are done seven days. Mani, who is the opinion? Which Tana is that Mishnah following when it says that Nisach HaMayim is seven days? E, Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua said that we don't, pour, we don't mention rain until the eighth day. Neimachad Yoma. So Lachaira, the Nisach HaMayim, should only be, if anything, one day. In other words, the same point that Rabbi Yeshua was making that it's a simon klala, then the Gemara assumes at this point that Rabbi Yeshua would agree for the water libations as well, which the Gemara is making an assumption. It's an, it's an assumption which the Gemara will fall away from. But the assumption in the Gemara is that if Rabbi Yeshua is saying that we don't derive from Nisach HaMayim, and Rabbi Yeshua is saying we only start Masha Burach on day 8, on Shemini Atzeret, so presumably there was only one day of water libations as well when the base of Mikdash stood, and that would be day 8. So the Mishnah clearly is not like him if it says that we pour the water for 7 days. I Rabbi Akiva, I mean if it's from Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva learned from the word Nisachah, it's, it's libations that was written on day 6. So Treyome, the Mishnah should have said that it's at least for 2 days, the 6th and the 7th, but not 7 days. I Rabbi Yudha Ben remember he learned from the Pasuk, from the Mem Yud and Mem, which began on day two, Shita Yome, then it should have been six days, day two through day seven. So where do we get a Tana that holds that Nisach HaMayim is all seven days? Now, what would the obvious answer be? Rabbi Eliezer. Right? Rabbi Eliezer would seem to be the obvious answer. Rabbi Eliezer holds that we start saying Masha Baruch Mardagesh on day one, so maybe he holds that Nisach HaMayim began on day one as well. Rashi says in Achanami, the Gemara could suggest such an approach. We want to basically, what the Gemara is doing here is probing, it's pushing, it's pushing to see could the Tana of the Mishnah be other people as well? So the Gemara answers the Olam Ben Becerra. Really, it could be Rabbi Yudah Ben Becerra who said that Nisach Hamai begins at day two. Who feel like Rabbi Yudah Damasnis Sin. He holds like Rabbi Yudah of the following Mishnah. It's not Rabbi Yudah Omer, but look how he menase Choshmona. Rabbi Yudah is of the opinion that Nisach Hamai did not stop on the last day of Sukkot, but rather it continued into Shemini Atzeres. So according to his view, it was actually eight days. Now, unlike Rabbi Yudah who held that it was eight days because it went one through eight, Mapik Rishon, he takes out, Rabbi Yudah Ben Becerra takes out the first day of Sukkot because he learns from the Pasuk that it doesn't start until the second day. Uma'ayel Shmini, however, like Rabbi Yudah of the Mishnah, he includes the eighth day. So according to Rabbi Yudah Ben Becerra, the water libations were day two through day eight, which is a total of seven days. So that corresponds to what that Mishnah said. So in that Mishnah, there's a Tana who says that it's for seven days. That Tana is Rabbi Yudah Ben Becerra, who holds that Nisach HaMai begins on day two, and he also holds that it continues through Shemini Atzeres. So that's day two through day eight, which is a total of seven days. However, the Gemara does not buy it. Because why do Rabbi Yudah Ben Becerra say that you don't do it on the first day? Why not the first day of Sukkot? So why aren't you pouring the water? Because the illusion in the Pasuk, the, the reference in the Pasuk for Nisach HaMayim first came on day two. So if the extra mem was first written on day two, and not on day one, then we assume that it wasn't poured on day one. If that's where we're coming from, then Shmini Nami, follow the same logic and exclude the eighth day. Where was the last mem used? 
on day seven. Remember, it was Kamishpatam instead of Kamishpat. So there was an extra mem. So the extra mem, the bookend, the mem yun mem, the last mem was written on day seven. So the implication is that the last Nisach HaMayim is day seven. So the same way we don't do it on day one because there's no allusion to the, for it in, from the Torah, then we should say the same thing. There's no allusion for day eight to have Nisach HaMayim in the Torah. So Rabbi Yudah Memesir, we don't assume agrees with Rabbi Yudah that the water libation goes through day eight because for the very reason he excludes day one because there's no remez in the Torah on day one. So there's no remez in the Torah on day eight. So we, we, the Gemara is saying that our suggestion that we should say it's Rabbi Yudah ben Maseira and he holds that it went from days two through eight seems wrong. The same reason he doesn't say it's on day one should, because there's no remez to that in the Torah, should also exclude day eight because there's no remez in the Torah. So let's now backtrack. We're back to nothing. We're back to our question. We have a Mishnah in Sukkah which says that Nisach HaMayim is seven days. We don't understand who exactly the Tana of the Mishnah is. We know according to Rabbi Yeshua of our Mishnah, we're very reluctant to say Masha Baruch Mardagesh from the whole Sukkot. We wouldn't even say it until Sukkot is over. So the Gemara thinks initially right now that he wouldn't know Nisach HaMayim is done during Sukkot. It would only be done maybe on Shemini Atzeres. If it's Rabbi Yudah it's only days two through seven. If, if it's Rabbi Akiva, it should only be days six and seven perhaps. But anyways, we don't have a clear Tana who holds that it's seven days. So the Gemara says, Ela Rabbi Yoshua. Really, the Tana of the Mishnah is Rabbi Yoshua. Even though Rabbi Yoshua says, Mashavaruch Marad Geshem is not said during Sukkis, he agrees that the Nisach HaMayim is done throughout Sukkis. Why is that true? The Nisach HaMayim, Kol Shiva, Because there's a tradition from Sinai. It's Allah Moshe Mi Sinai without any source from the Torah. There's Allah Moshe Mi Sinai that the water libation is done for all seven days at Sukkis. The Gemara initially. It seems like was thinking that Rabbi Yeshua, who said you only say Mash Baruch Mardagesham on day eight, presumably must have held that the Nisach HaMayim also may was only done on day eight. That's why the Gemara didn't think it could be him. Now what the Gemara is introducing is the power of Halacha Moshe Misinai. So now that it's Halacha Moshe Misinai, it's not necessarily something that's the source or the basis for his opinion of Masha Baruch Mardagesham. So maybe Masha Baruch Mardagesham to say, ask for the rain we don't do until day eight. But the Nisach HaMayim Koshiva perhaps was done all seven days. And where do we know that there's such a tradition? In other words, where are we pulling this from? And the reason specifically that the Gemara is asking this is because the other Tanoam didn't seem to have such a halacha Moshe Misinai. The other Tanoam were looking to sources from the Torah. We had the Mem Yud Mem, we had the Nisachel, we had the Haseich Mesech, we had three different drashos. Now the Gemara is both pulling out that Rabbi Yeshua holds it's a halacha Moshe Misinai. So the Gemara says, how do we know this? So the Gemara quotes Amoram who said this. They said over in the name of Rabbi Yechonia, who lived in the valley of Barzkharson, that the following three things are halacha Moshe Misinai. The halacha of ten trees. So, this is not so relevant to us, but basically, there's a proportion. If you have ten trees per the area of a beisah, so there's a halacha that's impacted in Hilchah Shemitah, because in the Hilchah Shemitah, there's a halacha you're not allowed to, even for 30 days before the Shemitah year starts, you're not allowed to work to, to plow. But it's mutter, if there are 10 trees per beisah, it's mutter to do uh, basic plowing in the field, because if not, the little tiny trees are going to die. So, we have to know how densely, like, how, how thick the trees are. So we say there has to be a proportion of 10 trees per saw in order for it to say there's a pressing need to plow before Shemitah. So that din of the 10 trees uh, is, is Allah Moshe Misinai. Arava, the halacha of Arava. What does Arava mean? Not taking the Arava and the Lulav. That's a pasuk in the Torah. But the din that they used to stand the Arava around the Mizbeach. 
which we kind of remember today when we do Oshanas. But that, when the Beis HaMikdor stood, that they would circle the Mizbeach with the Aravos, the Nizach HaMayim, and the Din of Nizach HaMayim throughout the day, seven days of Sokis. Those three things, Halacha Lemosh Misinai, those are all Halacha Lemosh Misinai. In other words, they're not coming from the Joshua and the Pasuk, and Halacha Lemosh Misinai. And once it's Halacha Lemosh Misinai, now it seems that we're not necessarily relating that to so that's the main switch which took place in the Gemara. Initially, the Gemara was assuming that if Rabbi Yeshua was saying that, that, that you only study on the eighth day, he must have held that the Nisach HaMayim also was only the eighth day. Now the Gemara is switching that assumption and saying, no, your premise is wrong. There was a different Allah HaMoshim Sinai which says that the Nisach HaMayim is done throughout the, throughout the seven days of Sokis, and it happens to be that it's disconnected from the halacha of saying Mashavarach Mardageshim completely, and Rabbi Yeshua was just coming Misvara and saying Mashavarach Mardageshim should only be said on the eighth day. So that's what, I, that's what we end up, and uh, although it does seem interesting, you know, it's like, it's a very factual dispute. It's not just, a, it ends up in the Gemara that we have so many different opinions, not only in the source of, 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 of Nisach HaMayim, and not only what, whether it's a drash or Allah HaMashim Sinai, but in the fact, right? Is it done on days one through seven? Is it done days two through seven? Is it done days six and seven? Is it done one through eight? It seems like there are a lot of different opinions exactly about how Nisach HaMayim was done. Very interesting that there's such a factual dispute so quickly after the destruction of the second base of Mikdash. Okay, says the Gemara. Now we're going to quote from the Brisa that we had on that Bezim at base. Now this is what the Brisa said. See, in the Mishnah, and this is why it's important that we're quoting from the Brides and not the Mishnah. In the Mishnah, it just said, Rabbi Yehuda's opinion is that Mashavarach Mardagesh begins at Musaf of the eighth day. It just said Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Didn't say Rabbi Yehuda who he was quoting, it just said Rabbi Yehuda says. But the Brisa added a little bit. Now the Gemara quotes in the Brisa, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Mishum Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Yehuda says over in the name of Rabbi Yoshua, over the one who's davening for the Amud, the one who's being the Chazan, on Shmini Atzeres, the one saying Musaf Masker, he says Mashavurach, Harishon, the one who's saying Shachars, Eino Masker, he does not say Mashavurach. And beyond the Rishon Shapesach, the person who's the Chazan on the first day of Pesach, Harishon Masker, the one who's doing Shachris still says Mashavurach, Achron, Eino Masker, the one doing Musaf does not. So here what's fascinating is that Rabbi Yehuda was quoting Rabbi Yehoshua. So the Gemara now is bothered, Hi Rabbi Yehoshua. What Rabbi Yeshua is he quoting? Ilim Rabbi Yeshua, the Masni Sin, if it's the Rabbi Yeshua which was quoted in our Mishnah, Ha'amar, beyond the Acharon Shochakum Masker. Rabbi Yehuda says that when do you start, Rabbi Yeshua said in the Mishnah, when do you start asking for rain? The language used in our Mishnah was, Yantav Acharon Shochak, the last day of Yantav. So the last day of Yantav, what's the implication? Not Musaf. The implication is the last day of Yantav means the beginning of the last day of Yantav. So that implies at least Shachas. Okay, now it's interesting because the Gemara gets a little bit subtle here. Does it imply Meirif? That the Gemara doesn't necessarily know. But one thing it doesn't imply is Musaf. So it definitely doesn't imply that the transition takes place at Musaf. So we'd have a contradiction. The version of Rabbi Yeshua in our Mishnah implies that the transition occurs at least already by Shachar. Rabbi Yehuda is saying over the name of Rabbi Yeshua that the transition occurs at Musaf? That would be a contradiction. El Rabbi Yeshua de Brisa, maybe it's the version of Rabbi Yeshua which was quoted in the Brisa. We had yesterday in the Brisa and Davbeis a very cryptic lasha. What did it say? Rabbi Yeshua says, You say Mashavurach Ha'amar Mishas Hanachto. You start saying Mashavurach Mardageshem at the time that the Lulav is put down. When do you put down the Lulav? You put down the Lulav on Hoshana Rabbah. You start saying Mashavurach Mardageshem from when the Lulav is put down. What does that mean when the Lulav is put down practically? 
So Rashi's opinion that we saw yesterday, that that means at my riv of the eighth day. Because my riv of the eighth night is the first time that you no longer can do the mitzvah of lulav. So the Gemara's question here would be, how could Rabbi Yehuda be saying over in the name of Rabbi Yoshua that, Musaf, that it's at Musaf of Shemini Atzeres that we begin the transition? It's not true. Rabbi Yeshua and the bride so is saying something else. He's saying that it starts at my riv of Shemini Atzeres. That would be the, what the Gemara is saying. And it would be interesting because it seems that there's a subtle discrepancy, and the Gemara is okay with this subtle discrepancy, between Rabbi Yeshua of the Mishnah and Rabbi Yeshua of the Brides. Rabbi Yeshua of the Mishnah implies Shachras of the first day. Rabbi Yeshua of the Brides implies Myra of the, of, I'm, I'm sorry, Shachras of the eighth day. Rabbi Yeshua of the Brides implies Myra of the eighth night. But that's okay. That subtlety we're okay with. But what we're not okay with is that Rabbi Yehuda should be quoting Rabbi Yeshua that the transition should take place in Mosaf. So that's one question that we have. Another question that we have, the two, furthermore, Hadatanya, this that we quote another bridesmaid now. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, Mishum ben Becerra. So now we're bringing in a new bridesmaid, one that we haven't seen, where Rabbi Yehuda quotes ben Becerra, and he says, Rabbi Yehuda quotes ben Becerra, who says that on the last day of Yantav, the one saying the Musaf is the one who first saying Masha So he's quoting ben Becerra to say that. Hi, Ben Becerra. Which Ben Becerra is being quoted? If you'll say it's Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Becerra, that can't be. We learned in the Brayzer yesterday that Rabbi Yehuda Ben Becerra said that it's like after the Nisach Hamayim, which, which Rem is from, is, then, is from day two. And that's day two. So according to him, Hashem is on day two. So now we have another question. We have Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra and the Brayzer saying you do it on day two. And here we have another Brayzer which says Rabbi Yehuda, that, that, that Rabbi Yehuda is quoting in the name of ben Becerra that you start saying it when? At the Musaf of the eighth day. So we have another question. So it's important to separate our questions. We follow the flow of the Gemara here. There are two separate questions. We have one Brayzer which says Rabbi Yehuda is quoting in the name of Rabbi Yoshua that the transition takes place at Musaf on the eighth day. We have another Brayzer saying Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Ben Becerra that the transition takes place at Musaf on the eighth day. And both of those make contradictions. Rabbi Yoshua did not seem to say it took place at Musaf and Rabbi Yehuda Ben Becerra did not seem to say it took place at Musaf. So we don't understand. We have two Brayzers that we can't deal with. So the Gemara answer is a pretty creative answer here. Amar of Nachman Beitzchak to Hey Rabbi Yoshua Ben Becerra. This is important. There are three people. There's somebody named Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua Stam, and the Gemara is Rabbi Yoshua, the son of Hanania. Nothing to do with Rabbi Yoshua Ben Becerra. We have another person, Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Becerra. There is a third person called Rabbi Yoshua Ben Becerra. Zimnin Dekar sometimes Rabbi Yehuda quotes him in his own name, meaning Rabbi Yehoshua, he'll say Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Rabbi Yehoshua. Zimnin Dekar sometimes he calls him by his father's name, sometimes he'll say Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Ben Becerra. Sometimes he's quoted before he got smicha. Before he got smicha, he's just quoted as the son of Becerra. And sometimes he's quoted after he got the smicha, and then he's quoted as Rabbi Yehoshua. And this third person, Rabbi Yehoshua, the son of Ben Becerra, was the Rebbe from Rabbi Yehuda, and he taught Rabbi Yehuda that it should be at Musaf of the eighth day. So now everything is reconciled. Rabbi Yehoshua Stam, the person that we've been looking at in the Mishnah and the Brayzah, he holds that it's either Meir of the eighth night, Shachras of the eighth day, nothing to do with this opinion. He's Rabbi Yehoshua, a different Rabbi Yehoshua, Rabbi Yehoshua, like the son of Hananiah. Then there's another opinion, Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, he says it's the second day of Sukkot. 
Now there's a third Tana, Rabbi Yeshua ben Biseira, who taught Rabbi Yehuda that the, that the transition occurs at Musaf. And that is the price of when Rabbi Yehuda quotes him, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Mishum, Rabbi Yeshua, it's on the Musaf of the eighth day, he's quoting him. When there's another price that said it's Rabbi Yehuda Omer Mishum ben Biseira, he's quoting him. Once before the smicha, once after the smicha, but it's the same person, it's the same Tana, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Biseira. So it's a pretty confusing thing because we've got a Rabbi Yeshua in the Mishnah and the Brisa who's not this person. He's a Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanan who holds that the transition takes place on the eighth night or the eighth morning. But we've got a different Rabbi Yeshua out there, a Rabbi Yeshua ben Biseira who holds that the transition is Mosaf. Not to be confused with Rabbi Yehuda ben Biseira who holds that the transition is the second day of Sukkot. So it's a bit of a name game here which gets confusing and what is tripping us up. But after all is said and done, we've reconciled the opinions. We have no contradictions. So always remember that, that, the, that whenever Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua is quoted Stam, it's usually Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, and there's another person out there, Rabbi Yeshua ben Beseira, who is not the same person. All right, talk to Gemara Vaita. We quote a Brisa, Tana says in a Brisa, Betal Beruchos. Now, when you, before you, it's funny, we know Nusach Svad and Nusach Ashkenaz. So Nusach Svad, during the summer, we say, Masha Beruch Mordatol, right? And Nusach Ashkenaz doesn't say that. So you got to erase that knowledge from your mind to learn the next Gemara. That, that's like a... A, a, a very like practical halachic outcome which comes from the complexity of the Gemara. But imagine you know nothing, okay? So the Gemara says, it says in a price, when it comes time to praising our Kaddish Baruch Hu, that he brings dew and he brings wind, you don't have to mention it. If you want to, you're allowed to. Meaning you're not obligated to say even during the rainy season, you don't have to say it at all. You don't have to mention the wind, you don't have to mention the towel. Really, the only thing you have to say is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Morit the Gesher. That's the only thing you have to say. So this has two meanings. First of all, that during the rainy, the rainy season, you don't really have to say Masha Baruch. Really, the point is you have to say Morit HaGesher. And second of all, during the summer season, it's not important to say Masha Baruch and Morit HaTol necessarily. But if you want to say it, you may. Says the Gemara, my time. What's the reason? Why? I mean, if we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for rain, why? Because we want it to rain. So why shouldn't we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for wind and dew? We also need wind and dew. So the Gemara says, There's a very interesting idea that those simply cannot be withheld. The world cannot survive without them. Meaning rain is something which obviously we cannot survive if it never rains. But it doesn't have to be a constant bracha in the life. It can come, it can go, we can survive with intermittent rains. However, with, with, with Tal and Ruchos, they're always there. So since they always have to be there, they're just, without them, the world wouldn't survive at all. So it's a given that our Kaddish Baruch Hu will give it to us. It's a given, and therefore we don't have to praise him for that. Says the Gemara, How do we know that Tal is never without? It says in the Passover, Who is from Gilad, he says to Achav, Achav was the wicked Melech Yisrael. Chai Hashem Eloke Yisrael, I swear in the name of Kaddish Baruch Hu, Asher Mazi Lefanav, before whom I stand. And Yashanam Eila, Tal Matar, Kim Lefi Dvari. This was the big thing that, that Eliyahu was the emissary of Kaddish Baruch Hu, that all the dew and the rain were only going to come when he said it was going to rain. It was a punishment for the wickedness of the people that Hashem said that the dew and the rain, he's going to come, he's going to tell Eliyahu another when it's going to come. It says in the Pasuk, after three years passed, Hashem told Eliyahu, go in front of Achav, I'm, now I'm going to say in rain. So there was a huge famine in the land, there was no rain. After three years, where Hashem says, now finally I'm going to give rain. But wait a second, he didn't mention that he's going to bring back the dew. How come there's no mention that the Akadosh Baruch is going to bring back the dew? My time, why was that not in the Pasuk? Must be, dew is never withheld. Meaning, even during the drought, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was punishing Achav and he didn't bring the rain, 
even during those years, there was still dew. So that's why we have now have a source that dew is something which can never be withheld. So the Gemara is an obvious question. If that's our conclusion, that dew is never withheld, there always is dew, then why did Elio swear that the dew wasn't going to come? Meaning, he swears initially that the dew and the rain will come only It's only going to come when I say it's going to come. The implication is, not only is the rain going to be withheld, that the dew as well is going to be withheld. But then when three years later, Hashem says, okay, now I'm going to send rain, our takeaway is that, re- that the dew was never withheld. So why was he swearing that it would be? So the Gemara explains, this is what Elio meant. Even the dew of blessing is not going to fall. Meaning there will be dew, and it's going to be dew which will cause the world to survive. Evidently, there's the basic dew. With, without it, the world simply cannot survive. But the tal of bracha, an extra sense of bracha, which can cause extra growth in the plants, that's not going to happen. So that is why Elio Anavi was swearing about initially. But what, what, what the reason why he wasn't talking about the recurrent, the return of the dew after three years is because there was a basic dew the whole three years as well. Says the Marvel, But obviously there was a, something better about the dew after the three years, right? We're saying that even when the dew during the drought was there, it wasn't blessed. It wasn't a special bracha type of tal. So still, Eliyahu Navi should have told Achav that at the end of three years now, there's going to be a resurgence of bracha type of tal. So the Gemara explains, It's not something that you can discern. You can't see the difference. Meaning that the dew was there before and the dew was going to be there after. It's just a question of whether it's going to have a bracha in it that is going to cause extra sprouting in the crops. That's not something that, is, that, you, could, that, you, could, that you could see. So if, if Elio would have said, oh, now I'm going to bring back dew, obviously Achav would have been cynical and Achav would have said, yeah, there was dew the last three years as well. So that's why Elio doesn't mention the return of the Tal of Bracha, even though it did have extra power after the three years. Now, there's a pretty interesting question here, which maybe is an obvious question. The Gemara is saying that the reason why we don't have to say Mashav Atal, either one of those points, is because those are givens that the world will always, will always have. But Lamaisa, the Tal of Bracha, we see is something which is not. It comes, it goes, we see the world survive for three years without it in the times of Achav. So how come we don't daven for that? Why don't we ask Hashem for the Tal of the Bracha? Right? In other words, the Gemara is only showing us an indication that there is a... That, the, that, that there is a basic sense of Tao in the world, which the world cannot exist without. But there still seems to be a type of Tao which is special and unique. So how come we don't praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that? It seems that that the Gemara is okay with. As long as the, 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 the gift itself, the Tao itself, is something which we'll never seize, then that's, there's no Chi of Haskar. That's what it seems. But why is that? It's a tough conclusion. Now the Gemara says, Ruchos minolan duloma atri. What about the other point? We mentioned the wind. Wind is also something that we don't praise, we don't need to praise our Kaddish Baruch for. Why? Again, because wind is always going to exist. So the Gemara says, why? How do we know, rather? How do we know that the wind is always there? Amar Bishuab and Levi. So Amar Kra, it says in the Navi, Hashem says to Kalah Yisrael that I have, I have like, just like the four winds from the Shemayim, I have spread out Kalah Yisrael. Kalah Yisrael is likened to the wind. My Karmaluhu, what's this meaning? That Kalah Yisrael is like the wind. Well, what's the point of the mushroom? You could say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to Kalah I scattered you across the four corners of the earth. And the point is that Kalah Yisrael is dispersed. That we're just like at the four, not winds of the world, but Ruach can also mean direction. 
It's an interesting thing. In Hebrew, a ruach means, first of all, wind, but it also means direction, right? In the four corners of the globe. So it could be, that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying. I've scattered Klai Yisrael, I've dispersed you throughout the four uh, corners of the world. If so, it's not really a metaphor because we're not saying it's like the wind. We're saying you are where you are scattered throughout the four corners of the globe. So then it should be in the four corners. It shouldn't say like. Like implies that we're making an analogy. It's like a metaphor here. But if it's really talking about the four corners of the globe as opposed to the wind, then it should have been a base, not a cuff. Ella must be. This is what Akash Baruch is saying. It's really an analogy to the wind. Since it's impossible, just as it's impossible for the world to exist without wind, so too it's impossible for the world to exist without Klai Yisrael. So it's like a basic thing that Klai Yisrael is forever, forever going to be here. No matter what, we will never be destroyed. So it's evident from, the, from this that with the Klai Yisrael is being compared to the wind, that it's an essential that the wind will always be there for the world to exist. So we have a source now from the Navi that the wind will always exist. And that's why we're saying now that we do not need to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the Ruach. So the Ruach and the Tal are not necessary. Now, says the Gemara, what's the takeaway? Once the brides have said that there's no Chi of Hazkara, during the summertime between Pesach and Sukkot, if a person made the mistake and he said, I shouldn't say made the mistake, if a person chose to say, he doesn't have to repeat. Meaning, it's, it, it, it's nothing wrong with doing it. There's no consequence. If you say, great, you said that, brings the wind. There's nothing right, there's nothing wrong about that. So if you said, you don't repeat anything. But if you mention that the Akadosh Baruch Hu brings rain, you have to mamish repeat the beginning of the bracha. You have to go back to Atat Gibor and say it again without saying Why? Because the rain in the summer is a simon klala. Remember, we saw that yesterday. It's very bad for the harvest. It's very bad. So you've, you've davened an inappropriate thing. And therefore, you have to go back to the beginning of the bracha and, uh, and, and, and repeat it. And the Rishonim say that what if you, you, realize, you didn't realize, you know, until you were much further, you already finished the Shemona Asher or something like that. And in the Chanami, the Rishonim Paskin, you have to go back and repeat the Shemona Asher. Why? So that when you'll say it again, you won't say it. It's like a very interesting thing. Normally, we're used to repeating Shemona Asher because you forgot to say something, right? You forgot to say the Yalav Yavah, so you have to repeat it in order to chop the Yalav Yavah. Here, you have to repeat it because the thing that you said, the whole tefillah is inappropriate. Because since you mentioned, you mentioned that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Marah the Geshem, when it's not the time, it's a curse, if it would rain, then you have to repeat. Remember, we saw yesterday that Rabbi Eliezer disagrees with this premise. Rabbi Eliezer holds that there's nothing wrong with saying it, because you're not necessarily implying that you want it to have come now. But the, here the Gemara assumes, like Rabbi Yeshua, that as we saw yesterday, not like that. According to Rabbi Yeshua, it is wrong, and therefore you would have to repeat the Tremendous Esra if you said Marah the Geshem in the summer. You mean if, let's say, like for example, you said the same bracha, the same talamata of the bracha in the, in the, yeah, you would have to repeat as well. The post can say, if you say the same talamata, if you, what if, I was wondering this, I'm not so clear about this, like if you would say like randomly, but it's not Rosh Chodesh, if you say Yalav Yalav or something like that. Yeah, not so clear. Now we have to be a little bit more badika. In the winter, if you didn't say Mashavaruach, you don't have to go back. So, we think of this like, why would this ever happen? Because we're so used to our habit. But let's say today, somebody simply said, Morad HaGeshem. He didn't say, Masha Veruach Morad HaGeshem. He just said, Morad HaGeshem. So it's fine. He doesn't have to repeat because the wins are guaranteed. Like, I'm Morad HaGeshem, But if he didn't say, Morad HaGeshem, then obviously he has to repeat. We're familiar, uh, we're familiar with this. He said, Morad HaGeshem, he has to go back. Okay.
Now, um, there's an interesting question in the postcam that's spoken about. If you remember sometime in the middle of the bracha, do you have to go back to put it in right after the phrase about the gibor, or could you insert it at any point? Most of the postcam feel it doesn't have to necessarily be inserted in the proper place of right after the phrase about the gibor. Any time in the bracha is okay. But the bottom line is you got to get in the Morad Geshem there. Says the Gemara of Loi Oi, not only is it okay if you omit the, the mention of the Ruach, Let's say you mamish say crazy things. You say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mavir the Ruach. He takes away wind. And he takes away the dew. You mamish say false things about HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he takes them away. In Muslims, you don't have to repeat. Why? Because it's like the most, it's just, it, there's no significance to what you're saying. That's the point. It, as long as what you're saying, as long as it's a given that the winds and the dew are there, and you can say whatever you want. It's just inconsequential. It doesn't matter. If there's a consequence, it's important that it either does rain now or doesn't rain now. Like in the summer, it better not rain. And in the winter, it better rain. Then because of that, your tefillah has the consequence. The consequence is that if you don't, if you omit the Geshem in the winter, you have to repeat. And if you say the Geshem in the summer, you have to repeat. But the, the Ruach and the Tal are such a given that they're always there that no matter what you say, you just don't have to repeat at all. Okay. Continues the Gemara, similar thing. Now, obviously... We'll see, you know, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more in the Rishonim. We can start understanding, you know, we say Mashavirach in the winter, even though we don't have to, because again, it's appropriate to mention, because it is a praise for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and as we're going to see, the Ruchos that go with the Geshem are good. But for example, Nusach Ashkenaz doesn't mention it in the summer. It's an interesting thing, right? And the same thing is interesting that, 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 that the Nusach Sfar chose Badafka to mention it in the, in the, in the summer. In other words, the conclusion of the Gemara, it's very important to know what the conclusion of the Gemara itself is. The conclusion of the Gemara itself is that there's no chiv to mention the Ruach anytime, and there's no chiv to mention the Tal anytime. That's the conclusion of the words of the Gemara. Okay. Says the Gemara, similar theme here, Tanah, it says in Ebrahisa, Now we mentioned another thing. Besides for the wind, the clouds. The clouds evidently have, play a very important role in the growth of the agriculture. So, the clouds and the winds, Chachamim weren't mechaivas to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Bala ask your master, if you want to do it, you can do it. There's no problem. You would say something like Rashi says, Mekasher Ha'avim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu causes the clouds to cluster together. My time. Well, what's the reason that the clouds and the wind don't have to be mentioned? Mishum because they're never withheld. Is this true? That the clouds and the winds are never withheld. But Tanu Rav Yosef, Yosef said in the Brisa, V'otzar es ha'shamayim. The Pasuk says, we say this in Shema, in Shema, that if we do bad things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to restrain the Atzar, to hold back the heavens. So the Pasuk goes on to say, V'lo yamatar, and it won't rain. So, but Rabbi Yosef is starting in the Bible, when it says HaKadosh Baruch Hu will hold back the heavens, what does it mean? Mina avim umina ruchos. And really it means, from avim and ruchos, it means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to give the clouds and the winds. So what do we say? You say it means from the clouds and the winds. Maybe it just means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to provide rain. When the Pasuk goes on to say there's not going to be rain, the Pasuk already mentioned the rain. So what does it mean I'm going to hold back the heavens? It means from the clouds and the winds. So now we have a double contradiction. There's one contradiction about the wind. The bride said that we looked at before said that what? That, 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 that winds are never withheld. And now we see in this price that the winds are withheld. Kasha of him, of him. And there's a contradiction on clouds. We said before they're never withheld. And this price was saying that the clouds could be withheld. So the Gemara explains. Of him, of him, kasha. There's no kasha in the clouds. This price said that they're never withheld. It's talking about early clouds. Early clouds means the clouds which bring the rain. Those ones are never withheld. There's always going to be clouds in the sky. But the late clouds that follow the rain. Um, 
those could necessarily be withheld. It's possible those are withheld. So now that, that they're at least the early clouds are not, now we're going to get to the same point. So now we're coming out, there's two types of clouds. Early clouds are never withheld. Late clouds after the rain could sometimes be withheld. So now what? So we never in the so praise our Kodesh Baruch for the clouds. Why? Why don't we praise him for the late clouds, which sometimes are, which sometimes are withheld? The terrace is again, like we saw by the dew. As long as the essence of the thing itself is never withheld, even if a certain type of it is withheld, then there's no chi of Askar, which is a hard conclusion. And now, same thing with the wind. The bride said, says it's never withheld. It's talking about a regular wind. Regular winds are always present. Special, extraordinary winds, a very intense wind. That is something which sometimes is withheld. And again, we don't praise our Kaddish Baruch Hu for it. Why? Evidently because as long as we'll have winds, we'll be okay. But for the Gemara, here the Gemara jumps on it. It's very hard to know why, but here the Gemara jumps on it. We should be praising our Kaddish Baruch we need, we need those extraordinary winds. Why? Because it's what, those extraordinary winds are what we use when we're separating the shaft from the grain. That's what we use. We throw it up, and then the extraordinary, strong, intense winds are what separate it. So we should have to mention the winds for that purpose. In other words, if we have a specific purpose why we need the Ruach Sheinah Matsuya, so even if, we, even if we have regular winds, but we need the extra winds. So the Gemara says, Afshar we're able to use it with a sieve, meaning we don't need the wind necessarily. Yeah, we usually would prefer using the intense wind, but since we don't need it necessarily, we could use a sieve to, to separate the shaft from the grain, so there's no chi of haskara necessarily for the extraordinary rain. So bottom line is, clouds and winds, there's no chi of haskara. Says the Gemara, Tana, it says in the Bible, clouds and winds are backups to the rain. What does that mean? That they almost are as important as the rain. Meaning, just like rain, obviously, we know, makes the stuff grow. So the clouds and the winds that accompany it are almost as important. what type of case? We're talking about what happens after the rain. After the rain, the way the clouds and the winds come, evidently coupled with the sunshine. Again, this is like a scientific point. The way that they impact, the way that the sunshine is going gonna, is gonna to help will change everything about the cultivation of the plants. Says the the name It sounds like wind after rainfall is very important. Sounds good. In the Taichacha, in the promise of bad things, it says Hashem is going to bring the rain of your land, dust and dirt. What's going on? What is this? We're talking about Zika the Basar Mitra. If it, if it's windy after rainfall, what happens? It's going to stir up the dirt, and then it's going to get onto the wet crop. Meaning, if the crop is wet, then the dirt that comes is going to be muddying. The crops, which is bad for it. So we just said that if, it, if it's windy after rainfall, it's good, it's beneficial. We said it's Shneel Slamatra, it's almost as good as the rain itself. Here we see that it's bad, it's a curse, it's going to make the wet crop all muddy. Says the Gemara, Lokasha, Adasa, Nicha, depends. If it was a gentle rain, if it was a forceful rain. And the Gemara explains, if it was a forceful one, then, then it's going to be dust and it's bad. Whereas the other type of wind, more of a gentle wind, is not going to raise the dust. So gentle winds after rainfall, very good. Forceful winds after rainfall, no good because it's going to muddy the crops. Says the Gemara, we talk about more things that are good. Amar if you does Zika the Basar Mitra Kimitra. The wind after the rainfall is almost as good as the rainfall itself. Eva the Basar Mitra Kimitra. Clouds after rainfall are almost as good as the rainfall itself. Shimsha the Basar Mitra Kitre Mitri. Sunshine after rainfall is as good as two rainfalls. So basically, we're saying a lot of the things that happen after rain are important for the cultivation of the crops. Says the If everything is good, what do we mean to exclude? Meaning, is there anything that's bad after a rainfall? Says the Gemara Lamuti Gili Dalela. A flash of light. 
a light flash, not sunlight, but like a light flash that could happen at night. Sometimes there's a flash, not sunlight, but a, 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 a light flash at night could be very bad. Or sunlight that comes between the bald patches of the clouds. Those are bad. We want a fresh sunlight. We don't want either have cloudy, cloudiness after rainfall, that's good, or have sunlight. But to have the, 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 the patches between the clouds is no good. Snow is as good to mountains as five rainfalls are to the ground. Very interesting thing. The idea is, is that snow is such a high concentration of, of the liquid that eventually it melts more and more, and it's very, very good. It says to the snow, be on the ground like a shower of rain, so on and so forth. And if you look in the Pasuk, it says Geshem five times. So snow is as good as five different rainfalls. Amazing different things. The Gemara continues, Amarava, Tigla, the tour snow is as good to the mount is good for the mountains because it's so much rain it's so heavy heavy rain is good for trees heavy rain helps the trees a gentle rain is better for the produce or fila a light rain even for a little seed under a little you know dirt when it's just a tiny seed the best thing that helps it is a light rainfall says the gemar my or fila what is the etymology of the word or fila contextually we just saw it means a light rain but what's the etymology of the word Uru Pili, wake up, Uru, right? Uru means to wake up. And wake up what's in the crack. What's in the crack of the soil? The seed. Wake up the seed. And the Gemara now continues with something from a Tamar Chacham. I'm a rabbi. It's a little Tamar Chacham. Tamar the Vartila de Tutsi Kali. He's like a seed under the clod of earth. Kimen de Nava Nava. Once he starts sprouting, he sprouts. So a little Tamar Chacham, he's like, has to sprout. And as soon as it rains, now he comes out of the ground just like the seed eventually grows.